Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 115. I'm Mo. Hello, everybody. And hello to you, Eleanor Goodman. How are you doing? Hello, Merlin Alderslade. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I am good. Why are we talking like robots? <laughs> I feel like you started it and I can't change it. Well, fine. Uh, <laughs> loads of stuff <laughs> to talk about on the podcast this week. Uh, the latest issue of Metal Hammer is, of course, out right now, featuring a world-exclusive interview with Ram ram of god randy Blythe of lamb of god fame is, is what i meant to say uh their new album is out next month and um just before all the world went into lockdown madness we nipped over to richmond virginia for a very candid and uh serious and uh interesting interview with randy himself strongly suggest you go out and get that um, when you're able to however you're able to most safely of course um we have also now released our lamb of god bundles which feature that very said magazine uh, involving a exclusive cover that you can't get anywhere else and a world exclusive specially commissioned art print by Mr. Luke Priest. He is the man behind um, quite iconic now art prints that, uh, such as Metallica. I've actually got one of his Metallica prints in, up in my house right now. Um, he's done stuff for Ozzy. He's done a few things for Ghost. Um, and we got him to do a specially commissioned thing for Lamb of God. It is gorgeous. It will look fantastic on your house. Um, so go to tinyurl.com slash buyhammer where you can order that bundle um, or just the regular edition issue directly to your house. Uh, some, yeah, some, I say bum news, but I think it was inevitable. We kind of knew this would happen. Um, Reading and Leeds cancelled this week. Um, we also saw Ramstein, Guns N' Roses and Maiden all cancel their tours. Um, in Maiden's case, at least, they postponed it most of the dates have been rescheduled in Europe to 2021. Um, yeah, just kind of going back to what we've been saying, really, that 2021 is going to be pure fire emoji L. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit sad because I was going to go to Coventry and see Ramstein as a birthday present to myself. So I'm going to have to stage my own Ramstein gig in my house. Do it. Do it. <laughs> um, just, yeah, I did, I did that with my mates um, last weekend, actually. It was great. Not set fire to my house, but stage our own festival thing. Um, basically making a YouTube playlist and just everyone watching it on Zoom together. It's quite good fun. Um, doesn't quite replace actually being at a festival or at a gig, but, um, you know, we do what we can. I saw there's more news this... Sorry, go on. No, I was agreeing with you. Hard agree. Hard agree. Uh, but yeah, it's a good laugh. I strongly suggest people do that as well if they're looking for something to do a bit different that isn't just another fucking quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say I'm getting sick of quizzes, but you know, I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, speaking of live music, actually, um, I don't know if you saw this other, this thing that the Live Nation CEO, Michael Rapino, um, talked about uh, recently. He kind of put out a, a new interview um, that you can read a little snippet of on Metal Hammer, but um, it came from another site, which I've forgotten. But go there afterwards to read the whole thing, basically. Uh, but he said that um, over the next summer, there'll be testing happening on the, you know, how they're going to introduce gigs again, how we're going to get back to a live music um, world. Uh, he's talking about things like fanless concerts with like good broadcasting opportunities. He's talking about driving concerts, um, reduced capacity concerts. Uh, you know, people are really looking into this kind of stuff now and they're kind of looking with a view to 2021 um, to getting back to normal but in the meantime looking at ways to just try and find ways for us to do something that feels like some semblance of a gig which i think i, I mean i'd take that wouldn't you i don't know 
Yeah, I've really enjoyed the events that I've watched. I've watched Devon, I've watched Catatonia, I've watched Covell Attack, a few other bits and pieces. And they've all been really interesting in their own ways. And at the end of the day, you get to see the artists performing their songs and that's pretty cool. I wonder about what they'll do for socially distanced gigs because I've seen a couple of floor plans of venues in the States where they've sort of blocked off sections, you know, like five people a section or whatever, and you have to buy all the tickets at once and go with your family unit. And I kind of wonder how that will work if they start doing it on a regular basis, because I'm assuming ticket prices have to be pretty high if you're sectioning off so many seats and, you know, you're essentially just not selling like a bunch of seats. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? How do you... um... Uh, I saw, I saw, uh, is it Franz? It's Franz, isn't it? From Attila. Um, I saw him tweeting about uh, this kind of stuff and said he's been chatting to people and he he seemed to speculate that it's going to mean more expensive gig tickets and stuff because if you're doing reduced capacity gigs, you'll, you still have to kind of pay the overheads of each building, but with putting far less people inside. Um, it was Variety, by the way, that Michael Rapino was talking to we reported on so you can go check out uh, that whole thing on variety um but yeah it's, just, it's a weird one isn't it because I've, I've seen a lot of reaction to this and some people are saying oh we'd rather wait until we could just have full concerts again some people are up for it um i just think we just got to remember that no one knows what the fuck we're doing at the moment and no one knows what's going to happen even I, now i like something more than nothing like it's been like i said i really enjoyed the things that i've watched online it's been really nice to sort of connect with some of that music and you know that's still in some of those live streams and things that are fan communities as well of lots of people watching and commenting and stuff so there's still sort of you know an audience reaction as it were it's just a different kind of thing isn't it yeah it is exactly um i think you know the world will get back to some semblance of normality at some point but you know we need the live music sector to have not just a long-term future but an immediate future um, and I guess you can't, you won't have the, the second without, um, you won't have one without the other is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I'm not madly in love with the idea necessarily of sitting in a car for a festival, but if that's the only, I mean, we talked about this recently, like we don't drive. So I literally can't do that unless I'm bunged in the back of someone else's car. But I think I would. I've got rather, a license. I've got a license, but I haven't got a car. So it's I not going to happen. Yeah. I got a driving license and drive around for about a week and then moved to London and never drove again. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. 200 quid well spent. Uh, but, um, yeah, the point, the point being that um, we'll just have to see what happens. And I think, uh, you know, reduced capacity gigs, that's an interesting one. Are, are we really going to be able to have a gig where you have to be two metres away from people at all times? Is that really possible? Well, we've got, it wouldn't, I think it's possible in a seated venue, but we've got a long way to go because, you know, we still haven't solved the transport issue. Things that, in the UK at least, you know, there's talk of lockdown easing from today, but in reality, you know, what that means is something a lot more complex. And think of having gigs in London, say you did do a gig at like the O2 Arena or something, the amount of traffic that brings in, even with, with reduced capacity people would have to come in on the underground and yeah yeah, yeah. it's just so there are so many logistical issues and then do the venue serve food and drink and i mean i guess they would and it's just yeah i don't know there's so many things you'd have to work out and they're still trying to work them out 
in normal life you know think about going back to school and stuff it's like all that will probably happen before gigs happen yeah yeah no i just spot on really i can't really add much more to that other than um i i think i agree with what you said i'll take i'll take something over nothing um I mean, there's uh, loads of things just kind of starting to look at opening back up. I saw that Voo Cinema are looking at um, doing like reduced capacity screenings and stuff like that. Uh, it's just fascinating to see how it's all going to work out. But um, in the meantime, YouTube festivals, they're the future, mate. I'm telling you. And maybe they'll do more, um, you know, like we've seen people streaming and setting up gigs and stuff. Maybe they'll do more stuff like in cinemas, you know, when sometimes there are live events like ballet or theatre and occasionally concerts and they actually just have a screening in a cinema maybe they'll end up doing stuff like that as well yeah that'd be cool i think i think alcohol will play quite a big role in how successful this <laughs> is as well because it's one thing telling everyone to be socially distant but if everyone's boozed up you're going to find it really hard like even in a seated capacity or whatever for people to just like not touch each other or like <laughs> each other uh so yeah it's an interesting one but it's a really really interesting read with um michael rapino from live nation so um yeah, go over to a variety to, to read that in full. Uh, you know, he's probably got a pretty good idea of, of where the, the lay of the land might be. Yeah. Uh, in unarguably positive and brilliant news, Dave Mustaine has posted some photos of himself tracking vocals for the new Megadeth album. Yay! Come on! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so good to see Dave Mustaine doing what he was put on this earth to do uh, after everything that happened with him last year. Obviously, we had the, the cover feature with him last month talking about his cancer battle. Um, and yeah, I think the fact that we, we're still able to see all this new music coming out is really exciting. And, uh, and I can't wait to hear a new Megadeth album. I thought Dystopia was pretty good. And um, yeah, more of that, please, Dave, basically. I just suddenly remembered as well, I didn't put it on the running order, but Tony Hawk game redubbed. I'm excited about that, L. <laughs> coming from the new metal era from the greatest era of uh, metal music making a comeback Tony yeah, Hawk a, a remastered crazy. version of his pro skater games that should be absolutely awesome um, yeah there's good shit going on is my point there's stuff to be excited about oh yeah and there's so much people are doing behind the scenes you know and planning for stuff and yeah loads of things it's, it's not like the world has stopped we might be inside but things are still moving forward absolutely absolutely uh, within Temptation, have a new song out as well. Speaking of new things, they um, do. It's cool. It the what? I was uh, exclaiming. They do oh. have a new song. Oh, I thought you said me too. I was like, do you? Put <laughs> that under wraps. Entertain uh, you. Entertain you uh, has now been out. It's not Robbie Williams' cover, obviously. That'd be ridiculous. Interesting track. Have you listened to it? It's really rocky. It's yeah. like, I saw they had the voice of their producer, Daniel Gibson, on there because as soon as someone starts singing, you're like, that's not Sharon, that's a man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you'll find that was an exclusive reveal courtesy of my interview with Sharon that you can read on the Metal Hammer website right now. Ah, I read that on the Metal Hammer website, not realising that it came from you. came from me, indeed. Talked to our mate Shaz um, last week. Uh, for something else that's going to be in a future issue of Metal Hammer, but I asked her about the new single as well. Um, interesting what they're doing because they're basically, and I actually put this to her, they're basically taking the approach of a dance band or a, of, or a hip hop group, like uh, what a lot of, basically a lot of genres outside of metal do right now, um, in that they're going to be releasing songs and not necessarily doing so in a kind of, you know, promo song, promo song album format. They're just going to be releasing songs for the foreseeable future. 
and then there might be an album down the road but it will be mostly made up of songs you've already heard um, that's interesting isn't it yeah very different i think their their attitude is, and this this isn't something to do with lockdown by the way this is something they're considering anyway um so they're kind of changing up their approach to releasing music because um well she said they're doing it because they think it's good for fans to just have something new to look forward to all the time um i think it's really interesting and i think you hear it in the sound as well the last record was really dynamic and this song is more like sort of where bands like papa roach have gone it's sort of more yeah it's more rock territory than it is like super heartland metal territory and it sounds like it's more mainstream but with like dark content than it dark content (laughs) yeah (laughs) i like dark content yeah it definitely sounds like something that you'd hear on the radio It, it sounds like they're sort of consciously or not consciously going for a wider audience and sort of spreading their wings out a bit more yeah definitely um i mean with Intentation and one of those bands where uh I, th- I think i've talked about it before but their album the unforgiving for me was a really good example of that band's ability to just craft brilliant poppy rock songs uh, very little in the way of kind of proper kind of symphonic metal on that record it was just a great rock album and i definitely think they've got the capacity to do that and you know maybe break into america in a way they haven't on a huge level to, to this point yet uh, so it'll be interesting to see if this works for them it's a fun song so if you haven't heard it go check it out um in more brilliant people doing brilliant things news uh the chuckle the chuckle oh, i was wrong with my voice today because i recorded i recorded radio earlier so i've already like talked out i'm all like <laughs> goodness me Cycling charity organization and our dear friends, the heavy metal truants, have announced that their annual ride to download will now be a virtual event. Uh, so, if you haven't heard of the truants before, longtime friends of Metal Hammer, uh, former Metal Hammer editor in chief Alexander Milas is a big part of that company. Uh, they usually cycle from London up to Download Festival every year over a weekend to raise money for charity. They've raised literally hundreds of thousands of pounds over the years. Such a great bunch of guys and girls doing awesome stuff. Uh, obviously. They're not going to be able to do that this year because there is no download and they probably won't be able to cycle in a group of 50 fucking people anyway. Um, so they're doing a, the virtual event. So if you are at home and you've got a bike or you've got a... Um, what do you call the bikes that aren't bikes? Stationary bike? bike. Exercise bike? Yeah, an exercise Peloton. bike. That's um, a brand. <laughs> you can actually get involved with this. Uh, so you don't have to actually get out and about. If you've got an exercise bike sitting in your house or if you do have a bike and you're kind of out cycling as part of your daily exercise... Um, you can get involved with this. Uh, so go over to metalhammer.com to find out how you can get involved. Uh, it's a 170 mile journey that you have to compete at, have to uh, complete. Um, but I believe that you can do it over the next, uh, however many weeks it is until download would have happened. So it's not like normal where you have to bang them all out in one weekend, join up, track up your like Strava or whatever app you use to, to log them in. Um, and then you can you can get involved and raise some money for charity. So I would really love to do this, but I can't cycle properly because I'm crap and I don't have an exercise bike. So maybe I'll just try and run it. I'm not going to do that. That's a lie. But yeah, <laughs> great things from the heavy metal truants. Go to hammer.com, metalhammer.com that is, to uh, find out more about that. Uh, Elle mentioned earlier about um, Within Temptation kind of going down a more uh, polished super radio US rock route. Uh, And I feel that's very pertinent for the album of the week this week, um, because we're going to do the new Asking Alexandria album. 
now this is a band who have been through a really interesting evolution since they first turned up on the scene. Used to be very intrinsically linked to Metal Hammer. We used to talk about them a lot on the podcast. I don't feel like we've talked about them quite so much on the podcast in recent years, which um, maybe says something of where they've gone uh, musically recently. Um, I actually reviewed the last album for Metal Hammer, uh, and I kind of talked about how whatever you were hoping that the return of Danny would bring, what it's actually brought is a very clear and considered manoeuvre into being a big polished radio rock band that is kind of tailor-made for American radio, which is not an insult. It's just that's clearly where they're going. And um, I think they do that very well. And I think they've kind of pushed that even further on the, on Like a House on Fire. Um, what did you make of this record, though? I can't believe they've been going since 2008 because in my mind no. it's like, oh yeah, they're still one of the newer metal bands, but now it's 2020 and they're not really a metal band anymore. They are a rock band. And like you said, they've gone down this really slick road of making stuff that's basically designed for US rock radio and US arenas. And I was reading the materials that came over with the record and it said that last year they did an arena tour supporting Shinedown and they also supported Papa Roach that you can definitely tell that they toured with both of those bands and Ben Bruce, guitarist and obviously sort of co-band leader with Danny said that what people go to a rock show for was fresh in our minds. They're there to forget about their worries and have a good time. And I think you can definitely tell on that record they've taken what they've experienced at those shows and then taken that to the studio. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's, you know, it makes sense to me because I kind of feel like where Alice, Asking Alexandria came from, that kind of um, glitchy, electronica-induced brand of metalcore is very dated now, to be honest. Like, the, the scene they came from, I don't feel like many of those bands have aged particularly well. You don't really see people excited about those bands anymore. And so the fans will have grown up too, as well. You know, if you were listening to that in 2008 and it's 12 years on, you're not going to be in the same place in your life as you were back then. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, it, it's interesting because you kind of think about, you know, how do you reach new fans? How do you reach different fans? And when I was listening to this record, I was kind of thinking, you know, oh, it's not really for me. It's kind of that super polished, shiny, nice brand of rock music that isn't really my vibe. And I thought, well, actually, there's a lot of people that really do like this stuff. And I think if you're if you're a fan of bands like Shinedown and all those kind of guys, and you heard this come on the radio and you didn't really know who it was, you'd probably be quite into this. And I think um, I think they do it really, really well. Uh, you know, the production on this album sounds absolutely massive. Again, that's something they've always got really spot on in their career, whatever direction they've gone with. Um, I was quite surprised to hear the amount of kind of like vocoded, almost robotic vocals that they've done where you really overproduce them to the point where it sounds like it's like literally being fed through a computer or something. Uh, that's obviously a very, um, you know, of today thing to do. Uh, and of the day thing to do, are you like 80? <laughs> <laughs> of today, I said, not of the day, of right now. It's a modern thing to do, it's zeitgeisty. Um, and you know, I, I think it kind of works. It's it's weird to kind of put a vocalist as talented as Danny through that kind of mix because his voice is so powerful, and I feel like you're almost taking a bit of the guts out of it when you do that. But um, you know, it's something they do quite a lot on here, so they're obviously feeling it. I thought the song "Anti-Socialist" in particular, uh, when I first heard that, I just thought, well, someone's been listening to Ammo Era, Bring Me the Horizon, because that is literally what this song sounds like. There's kind of bloopy, bleepy bits. There's kind of like almost R&B beats um, uh, mixed over a rock track. 
uh, yeah, I just thought that was super roomy horizon -y. Um, Obviously, there's ballads on here. Um, I Don't Need You is a big ballad. Uh, Light is in the air moment. Um, it's hard not to see Danny driving a lot of this just because when you look at the videos and the way he is now and, and the way he uses his voice these days, it kind of feels like an album that is very suited to his persona as a kind of rock and roll frontman, which is what he's kind of been about for a long time now. Yeah, a lot of the lyrics are sort of delivered in a rock and roll kind of way. And there's a lot of generic rock and roll stuff on there. In Down to Hell, he's like, I'm coming up, I'm going down to hell. You know, it's like very sort of generic rock and roll 101 stuff. But in his voice, it does work because like you said, that is his persona nowadays. And I think the couple of songs you mentioned as well, Anti-Socialist, I definitely got that Bring Me vibe from it. And also a bit of Justin Timberlake. And yeah, totally. Uh, on I Don't Need You, the other song you mentioned, they've got a female vocalist called Grace Grundy. And that one, when I listened to it, reminded me, it doesn't really sound exactly the same, but it reminded me of what Papa Roach did on their song Periscope with Skylar Grey, when they got somebody in to sing on that. I didn't so know I did... they had Skylar Grey on a track. That's cool. Yeah, so I did wonder if it was, again, because they toured with Papa Roach and they talked about those influences, I wonder if that was kind of a little, you know, seeing what they did and doing their own take on it type thing. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. I mean, it definitely, it feels like a very modern album. It feels like an album made right now. Um, as I said, you know, you can't keep kind of just doing the same stuff. They've had to move forward. They've had to move forward with this. Uh, and I think it works. It'll be really interesting to see if it takes them to a different crowd or not. Um, I mean, that's not to say that there isn't any interesting stuff on there. It's fairly one pace, but there are some little interesting bits and bobs. Um, the track uh, One Turns to None, I thought was quite interesting. That's got this kind of like glammy industrial stomp under it. But then it's got this kind of Panic at the Disco meets Oingo Boingo kind of twinkly piano vibe going on as well. That gives it a bit of an off-kilter vibe. That's quite cool. Also um, reminded me of Nickelback because it says I'm an animal. There's quite a few bits in that rock and roll <laughs> kind of spectrum that reminded me of Chad. Isn't it? I mean, did you ever think that we'd be reviewing an Asking Alexandria album and comparing them to Nickelback? <laughs> Nickelback, surprisingly, I don't know, seems to come up quite often. They're good at what they do. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Another band that are really good at what they do. You can hate on Nickelback, man, but like they know how to write big, daft, dumb rock songs. And that's kind of what this album is. I don't think it would be fair to say that they completely abandoned like their own identity and sound because the way it's produced and some of the cool little atmospherics and little like little moments of heaviness that come out really make this album um stand apart from a lot of those other bands uh, like the violins for instance that's a cool stompy number and um, it's got some kind of screams in and feels a little bit more gritty and a little bit more connected to where they've come from so it very much still feels like an asking alexandria album it's just an asking alexandria album for what that band is in 2020 and if you'd want a big, harmless, fun slice of uh, well-produced, slightly on the heavier side of modern rock and roll, then I think you could definitely do worse than checking this album out. Um, if you weren't a fan of them from the start, you could probably still give this a go because it's so different from what they were doing back in the day that it might win you over. If you weren't into what they were doing on the last album, I'd say you definitely wouldn't like this so much because the kind of more different elements of the last record are kind of what is the center of this whole album for me, uh, for better or worse. But um, it'll be interesting to see if it as an album can make them take over the older 
the old airwaves. <laughs> the old <laughs> airwaves. I'm really hard for that to not come out sounding wank. <laughs> the, like, screaming, the screaming thing's interesting for me because I noticed when you're talking, you know, you're talking about Bring Me and he kind of does that thing like the song Down to Hell, he does like a proper scream, but it's always capped. And it's a bit like what Bring Me did and things like that's the spirit. It's like there'll be a scream, but it'll always be stopped before it can kind of go too far it'll always be kind yeah. of compressed as well so it sounds more like a part of the song than something that stands alone so they've definitely still got those like old asking bits in them but they're very much modified for what they do now yeah yeah agreed um so yeah you might like this album if you like if you're in the mood for some just like well polished rock and roll could do worse than listening to the new uh asking alexandria album like a house on fire it's out on friday um there's quite a few good releases out this week actually there's a new bush album which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that's cool. But there we go. There's a new Bush record and the new Paradise Lost album, Obsidian, is absolutely wonderful as well. I played a track from that on the Metal Hammer show on Feedback Radio uh, this week. Um, that's out on Friday, with Nuclear Blast. Uh, and the Majestic Triptychon have a live album out as well, uh, taken from their set at Roadburn. So yeah, loads of good stuff to tick whatever box um, you want ticking, basically. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm sounding like fucking smashy and nicey this week. <laughs> Ask your dad if you don't know who that is. Uh, for questions from facebook.com forward slash Melhammer readers. Shariel, do you want to do the first one? Sure. Ben Wilmot asks, Code Orange have released an album that's critically acclaimed, but they can't tour or do much to promote it beyond the odd live stream. Is it possible the momentum push they'd get from this album will likely be gone by the time gigs and tours can return. Ooh. Um, I mean, yeah, there is no better momentum for a band than touring. I think that's probably not a controversial thing to say. Um, and so, yeah, I think any band releasing an album in this current era uh, is facing an unusual roadblock in that they literally can't tour. But, um, you know there's no point really sitting and worrying about that if you are a band at the moment you if you are deciding to put an album out or in code orange's case of course they put the album out and then it all went to shit um but if you've got an album out like you have to find a way to promote it and you have to do something different and code orange have done that um they put out their their really cool streamed gig that was kind of the first uh big thing that a band did after we all went into lockdown that was really great they've been doing an ongoing video series they're putting out loads of great merch um and I kind of feel like the anticipation for live music is going to be so huge that when Code Orange do finally swing around again, the kind of release from people to see a band like that live is going to be so huge. So in the long term, um, I'd like to think it's not going to stall their momentum too much. And if there's any band that knows how to ride out an unusual situation by trying something different, it's Code Orange. I mean, the other band that have just put out a big album, a, a trivium, and you know you can't move from that Heafy being doing press and doing live streaming and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I think the proof is there that you can't, you know, you can find ways to push your music and, and keep your momentum going, even in this very ridiculous climate we're now in. Code Orange is so proactive as well. They're always just doing things and making dramatic statements and they've got Roadrunner behind them as well. They've got a label that, you know, they're always really proud to be on. So if anyone, if any kind of newer fans um what's the word i'm looking for are gonna deal with it like then they are in a good place to deal with it yeah totally agreed hard agree 
Uh, ben Jardine says, as we see a rise in online paid gigs and the possible announcement from Facebook doing the same. I didn't know about that. Um, as the worry of pandemic resurges, insurance companies probably raising prices and Brexit. Could this all be a turning point for promotion tours and festivals in the future? And could we see a major decline in physical presence shows? Um, well, I guess our pal from Live Nation earlier, Michael Rapino, uh, kind of gave us as close to a clear answer as we could offer on that at the moment in terms of what the future of gigs looks like. Yeah, in the short term, I reckon, obviously, there has been a decline because there aren't any at the moment. And the introduction is going to be very slow. But I think in the long term, we'll probably have options for both. So maybe some of the options we've been seeing with streaming options will stick around and become another revenue stream, just like bands have meet and greets and things like golden circles to make extra money and give fans something else. Perhaps we're going to see more live streaming type of events in tandem with physical shows. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'll be up for that. Me too. Um, me three. Uh, Matt Ma Baker. Oh yeah, sorry, go on. It's my turn, Merlin. Sorry. Matt, <laughs> Matt, Baker, power. Matt Baker says, after all the fuss last year, is anyone actually still listening to the latest Tool album? I gave yeah. it another spin at the weekend and was bored before I was halfway through. And Lateralis is one of my favourite albums of all time. Oh, there's only one person here that's going to answer this, so. I like it. I still listen to it, but it's something that I would put on more for relaxation. So I just kind of listen to it according to mood. It's not something I put on in the morning where I'm like, oh, I've just woken up. I really need to get some energy by listening to the Tool album. It's more like, oh, I've just woken up and I'm feeling a little bit like, you know, relaxed and want to ease into my morning or I'm a bit tired. I'm going to put it on before I go to sleep. It's, you know, everyone listens to music according to their mood. So I wouldn't say it's a record for all moods. I'd say it's a record for yeah. specific quiet moods. I feel like that album basically did what it did in terms of topping polls and um, got them a Grammy as well, didn't it? Something like I've got them a Grammy and, um, and just all the other stuff it did um, because Tool fans love Tool so much that if Tool do something, even if I don't know if any Tool fan would call Fear Inoculum you know, the best Tool album. I don't know if anybody would, but... Not my favourite. Tool fans love Tool so much that the kind of not best or even not second best or whatever Tool album to them is still 50 times better than anything else. Uh, I, you know, I, I think if you're looking at veteran bands releasing albums last year, I think Slipknot and Ramstein put out genuinely brilliant albums that will stand the test of time really well. And I think they will rank very highly in their back catalogs from years to come. But with Tool, they're such an anomaly that you can't, you almost can't like, just can't put them in a bracket with anyone else, mainly because their fans are all insane. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. That's a really nice thing to say. You are. You're also dedicated. The most dedicated fans in metal, I think, just absolutely obsessed with a lot of you. Um, I don't know. You know. I just think it is a really good record, but I think you have to have a bit of patience. And like I said, you have to be in the right mood. If you haven't got a bit of patience and you're not in the right mood, you just sack it off, wouldn't you? And listen to uh, Slipknot or something. Yeah, totally. And I, I, you know, I'm just teasing people. I know. We're great fans. And uh, I'm well aware I'm in a pathetic minority for not, um, for not thinking they're the. Okay. I can have a nice evening listening to Tool and you can do some wrestling or something. Do, yeah, I do wrestling. That's what I do. <laughs> I do wrestling. 
God, no one needs that, Jesus. You can watch your wrestling television. <laughs> but yeah, people obviously loved it at the time, man, because it absolutely obliterated the Metal Hammer Critics poll last year. So it did something all right. Uh, Marco LG asks, where did the Metal Hammer TV idea end? So, um, God, we're going back almost a couple of years now, really. Uh, we recorded some pilot shows for a Metal Hammer TV show uh, that were pretty fucking cool. Um, they had a bit of a Wayne's World vibe, a really cool set that we did. We went to a studio in London to do them. We got some guests in. We had Nurgle in. We had Greg from Dillinger in. Um, it was really good fun. Um, we just never got kind of got round to a point where we were able to um, arrange the right circumstances to make it a full-time thing. Uh, the easy way of explaining it is obviously Elle and I have full-time jobs at Metal Hammer. Anything that we do outside of Metal Hammer, not outside of Metal Hammer, but any other kind of extensions we do is exactly that. It's an extension. Um, you know, we're not specifically employed to do a TV show or to do a podcast or to do radio stuff. This is all extra stuff that we have to kind of work out. Um, so it's not to, from what I understand about that situation, that TV show isn't, completely off the table or gone forever um it's just we haven't quite been able to work out the best time to try and implement it properly and how to make it a kind of regular thing because it's a big extra thing to suddenly introduce to a brand um but you never know what will happen especially in this world where we're all finding mad new ways to do things maybe we'll see metal have a tv back one day who knows l who knows who knows what's your next oh, one it's my turn <laughs> not so cocky now no this is a question from joel anthony and he says having saved money from not going to gigs or festivals or on holiday this summer what trip should i tick off the list next year for the best memorable experience surrounding metal and rock music whether that be a festival or a famous location Ooh, there are so many um if you're looking for good metal cities i mean pretty much every major European city has like cool metal bars and tends to have a good metal scene and, and gigs and stuff. So anyway, yeah. Oh yeah. Berlin's amazing. Yeah. Halford's bar is great. And um, there's another metal bar there with an Urukai in that I can't remember what it's called. There's a few on the same street. Yeah. There's a few of those. Um, so yeah, Berlin's great. Paris is great for that. Barcelona is really good. I've got to say Prague. I absolutely loved. I went there for the first time last year. They've got a bar called night. They've got two bars called nightmare bar. Um, there's like a horror metal bar so if you're into that oh my god it's like heaven um if you're able to go further afield uh, and we're not even talking about european festivals here any of those big european festivals are fantastic definitely think about checking those out if you can if you've got budget to go further afield um obviously places like new york uh, montreal's got a fucking fantastic metal scene and a really good vibe there and chicago has got kumar's corner uh, which is the famous metal burger joint. It's great. Um, so yeah, uh, pretty much any major city uh, has a pretty thriving metal scene. Uh, in terms of foreign festivals in Europe, I've done Roskilde and Graspop. They're both really good. Oh, and I've done, um, oh, what's it called? The one that begins with G that's a punk festival in Belgium. Gross Rock. Gross Rock. Thank you. I've done Gross Rock as well. That's good fun. Uh, what about you, El? Any recommendations, generally? Uh, I've already said what mine would be. My dream one is not Fest Japan, which they rescheduled for next year in Tokyo, which would be amazing. And I've been practicing my Japanese on lockdown. It's still rubbish. But, you know, I could probably buy some food and eat it at a push. I mean, that's um, I mean, a good start. 
I really would love to do that. Um, recommendations, I think you've been through the main ones and then obviously just loads of UK festivals that are going to need some support in 2021, like Rescheduled Download, Rescheduled Bloodstock, Arc Tangent, 2000 Trees, Tech Fest, etc, etc. I'm looking forward to all those coming back bigger and better next year because they're all fantastic festivals and it's good to support some stuff from home. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't, you've covered like the major ones. Like you said, it is amazing that you can go somewhere and find a metal scene there. And the first thing I always do on every single holiday I go on is find the metal bar when I get there. Same. I actually, <laughs> um, I actually made a, uh, a Google Maps um, thing that uh, I basically just listed every metal bar I've been to in the world um, because I'm a massive nerd. And uh, I got to about 50. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. Not, there is not a in a kind of, oh, look how many places I've gone away. But in pretty much any city you go to, you can find three, four, five. Like Amsterdam's got about four of them. Um, yeah, Tokyo's got some good ones. Osaka's got one. I'm trying to think of which bar I went to in Tokyo, which was crazy. I went there with Ladybeard, who you might remember. <laughs> Ladybeard is a wrestler who dresses as a woman and he was in a band. What band was he in? I thought the band was just called Ladybeard. Maybe it was. Uh, yeah, so Ladybeard. Um, and he took us to this bar called Guinea Pig in Tokyo, which just played metal music and it had chains hanging from the ceiling and it had these photo albums with loads of weird photos inside. I won't describe them just in case there's someone listening to this podcast with small children around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. fair. But that uh, was uh, they got to find out somehow. <laughs> that was an interesting bar. <laughs> yeah loads of places uh basically metal it will always be alive and well anywhere you look um is our point scott Situmpel asks if you could quarantine with one band who would you choose he <laughs> says he would choose brothers of metal are you joking <laughs> oh, mate, i can't back that that would be so full on just loads of dudes and i think a couple of women are in that band yeah. as well, but all just yeah. like very closely p packed together in like <laughs> furry uh garb <laughs> in loincloths and loincloths i don't know what you call it if it's female <laughs> <laughs> um yeah not sure that's the band i'd pick um, i'd probably pick just like really nice interesting people that uh got nice vibes and a chill and a good to chat to so someone like matt heafy he'd be good to hang out with lizzie hale we'd have a good chat just hanging out um they're all really cool people uh Roddy go from power trip i really like hanging out with him he's got cool energy um yeah just basically any bands that are just nice not stressful <laughs> easy to get on with <laughs> matt heafy really likes food as well so i just have him cooking the whole time I was thinking that too. I was actually thinking Matt Heath would be really, because he's well into food, so he'd probably just really enjoy cooking and it'd be like a challenge, like a store cover challenge and he could maybe make something really good. That would be the dream. Um, I was trying to think of like bands on Scott's wavelength. I thought Heaviosaurus would be funny just for a bit of entertainment because they're all dying. Why would you? No, but it's not a bit of entertainment. You're with <laughs> these people for months. <laughs> Just in case people don't know what heavy Saurus is, it's like fucking Barney the Dinosaur doing heavy metal. It's ridiculous. Why would you they want to be stuck inside? They actually use Barney the Dinosaur for torture. So, yeah. But my, my serious choice is probably Tesseract, just because I spent quite a bit of time with them in South Africa a couple of years ago. We went to um, Johannesburg and Cape Town when they were touring over there. And um, I know those guys that I can get on with them and sit in a room with them and have a nice chat. And like you said about thinking of people who are super chill, like... 
they just kind of chilled out dudes who are interesting to talk to and nice people and you wouldn't feel stressed out being in quarantine with them so probably them no that's a fair choice i back that i back that a lot um but uh, yeah, i mean i don't really want any metal bands quarantining with me to be honest so i just feel like, doing doing it. <laughs> I like my own space <laughs> not too much uh that is it for this week's show Thanks, everybody. Uh, we've got a big one next week. We're going to bring back the Metal Hammer Podcast Hall of Fame and we're going to do corn. That's a big one, isn't it, Al? So excited. I'm really excited to see which albums it's between. Well, at the moment, if you go over to the Metal Hammer Reader Facebook page, um, there's two fairly clear frontrunners at the moment, but we've got a week, so we've got time to change it. So if you're uh, if you wanted to get involved and help us pick which two albums we debate to enter into the Metal Hammer Podcast Hall of Fame, Go over to the Reader's Facebook page right now uh, and we'll, uh, we'll chat that through next week. Should be a good one. In the meantime, keep on keeping on, guys. Stay safe, stay metal, look after each other. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. See ya.